This is Cass Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. On Cass Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cass Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thanks for being here. My name is Lydia Cruz. This is Justin Stiefel. And I'm Maura Dooley. And we are in the midst of a pretty busy, pretty eventful weekend. It's opening weekend for baseball, which I'm a huge baseball fan. And then Easter is coming up tomorrow. Easter's tomorrow. That means people have lots of peeps that they're uh, hiding around the house for their kids. We're going to attempt later in the show to make a cocktail with peeps and uh, a few other festive spring-type cocktails for people to enjoy. Perfect. In the meantime, what is going on in the industry news? Well, I thought this was comical. This uh, comes courtesy of our friends in the golf environment, and Rory McIlroy has complained about too many drunk fans at the golf tournaments. And uh, this came out of uh, a recent tournament he was playing in where a guy was out there yelling about his wife (laughs) while he was trying to put the golf ball. And uh, Rory added that he thinks there's uh, too much consumption of alcohol. And uh, people on the tour, the guys are complaining about it more and more and that they think something needs to be done to curtail the amount of alcohol consumed at these major tournaments, which of course will not make the sponsors happy. Yeah, I was gonna say that's gonna be a hard fought battle. It is, and so when I think about this, I think, you know, if, I'm a, if I was a professional golfer and I had to have the concentration that they have, I would wear earplugs. That's that would. And uh, nobody would have to know. Just put the earplugs on and, and just keep the game between the, between the ears and not out in the crowd in the gallery. Yeah, that seems like it would work. That's a good solution. Because I know he pointed to the fact that it seems like it used to be more of a beer crowd and people are drinking more cocktails now. And he thought maybe that was was an issue because I know that just last month in the Honda Classic, Justin Thomas had someone booted in, in his win because they were yelling during his drive. And it seems like they the golfers are complaining about it more. And I don't know if switching from more of a beer-oriented crowd to a cocktail crowd did have something to do with it. But I agree with you. I think it's going to be hard to talk these sponsors into completely getting rid of alcohol. Well, this comes when these tours and, and pretty much any venue now wants to charge you five, six, seven bucks for a bottle of water. Mm-hmm. And you're out there with no cover in the gallery on the golf course. And it's hot. A lot of these places are yeah. in 70, 80, 90 degree weather. You're getting and dehydrated. You're say, dehydrated. Yeah. Why would I give you seven bucks for a bottle of water when I can give you nine bucks for a beer? Yeah, that just <laughs> feeds on itself. Yeah, very good point. So, Anyway, that's uh, I thought that was comical. Next up is a movie coming out from our friends at Netflix. And this is going to star Amy Poehler. And it's going to be set in Napa Valley in uh, California, in the wine country. And they're going to be focusing on the travails of uh, their group of friends as they bounce around from winery to winery. And they're in the, th- in the, s- the stages right now of trying to figure out which wineries to be filming this uh, upcoming Uh, Netflix feature ad. So that will be on the horizon. And when it finally launches, we will alert viewers to go and check that show out on Netflix. Yeah, it sounds pretty cool. She's going to have plenty of her famous friends in in the movie. That's for sure. She's not only directing it, she's going to star in it. Tina Fey connected to the project, but also former SNL castmates, Rachel Dratch, Anna Gasteyer, Maya Rudolph, all going to be in it. So 
Sounds like a pretty good uh, chick, probably a chick flick, but involving wine, which we can all we can all get behind. Those are some very funny ladies. Yes. They're, get, they're getting the band back together. Yes. <laughs> and uh, lastly this week, a U.S. company has launched a device that will print edible messages on beer foam. It's crazy. Yeah. So we're familiar with the art that people draft in the foam on lattes and coffee. And uh, this company called Beer Ripples has been produced in Maryland, and they're going to start allowing people to print these messages and uh, images and icons on beer foam. It takes about 11 seconds per image, and uh, it's going to cost about $3,000 for the piece of uh, equipment to do the printing and another $1,500 fee per year, uh, which will print about 6,000 pints a year worth of uh, messages. Wow. Now, is this an actual ink that this machine is using to print these messages? Uh, it's unclear. It seems uh, that it's going to be more like uh, some kind of burning that goes into the foam to kind of caramelize it or crystallize it, as opposed to actually printing something of, like a, a chemical or an edible frosting. Back in my bartending days, I used to know some bartenders that were gifted enough to actually make like a shamrock shape in the foam of Guinness. You're just using the spout as they were pouring, but I, I never yeah. could pick up that gift. That's I'm, amazing. I'm wondering if, if this is going to lead to, like, I'm, I'm seeing a picture on this article of a girl drinking a beer and they just put, I love beer as the thing that they typed in there. But you would think we might start to see companies like Uber just have, like, yeah, have Uber and a, can you pay for these messages? Yeah. On your beer. Yeah. I would, I would, awesome I would absolutely agree because I don't <laughs> think, I mean, as much as as uh, it would be a cool thing to let your customer choose, that could take forever if they have to like wait in line, if they have to decide on a message, and yeah, if you could sell this to an advertiser, I could see that well, happening. I would go in and I would pay as a distilling company to, to put a message that says next time order whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. So, that's what we found of interest in the news this week. Well, coming up on Cast Club Radio, later in the hour, we'll hear from Steve Dominguez. He is the general manager of Center Plate Concessions at Safeco. He's responsible for the grasshopper phenomenon of last year, of 2017. So no stranger to original food ideas out at Safeco Field. That's later in the hour. But up first, speaking of opening day, we're going to discuss some of the best beverage options that await you this baseball season whether you're at Safeco Field or you're out visiting another stadium. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks for being here with us. We are in baseball season. It feels so good to say that. And there really is nothing better than being out at a baseball game, sitting in the sun with your friends and family, eating a hot dog, and enjoying a nice delicious beverage, whatever that may be. Beer for some, cocktails for others. And Justin, you guys in particular have something pretty cool going on at Safeco Field this year. Yeah, so this is the second year we have the BSB Lounge. It's in the third base Terrace Club lounge area. So if you're in Safeco Field and you're up at the Terrace Club level uh, where the club seats are, the suites, right behind third base, you're going to be able to go in and and enjoy the BSB Lounge. Uh, They feature BSB, of course. Uh, They have quite a few of our other uh, vodkas and gins and whiskeys, plus beer and wine and pretty much anything an adult would want to have at uh, while enjoying a baseball game. And uh, this year, for the first time, uh, the folks at Safeco and Center Plate and the Mariners uh, worked with the Washington State Liquor Control Board. And later on in the season, they're going to allow 
cocktails to be taken down into any seat in the lower bowl area. Oh, wow. This is a huge, a huge thing. Wow. And so you're going to see four branded Heritage selling pre-batch cocktail carts in the lower bowl area. Uh, this took quite a while to work on with the uh, Liquor Control Board folks. And it uh, turns out Safeco Field was the last baseball stadium in all of North America that didn't allow cocktails in the entire bowl area. So now 100% of the stadiums are going to allow cocktails, essentially, stadium-wide. Wow. You guys are helping Seattle catch up here. That's right. That's right. That's (laughs) a big deal. Now, we're also very proud because uh, this week we learned that from the World Whiskey Tasting uh, Competition over in Europe, BSB won best flavored whiskey in the world out of all whiskeys, all flavored whiskeys, best flavored whiskey in the world. We're very excited about that. Wow. Congratulations. That's awesome. So we hit a home run. Yeah. (laughs) Terminology. And of course, I'm going to ask Steve later on in the interview to finish the sentence, but you know, our tagline is uh, can't spell baseball without BSB. And this year we are also proud sponsors of the bottom of the fifth, because I've always wondered, what do you do when you reach the bottom of the fifth? <laughs> Open another bottle of BSP. So you're going to be seeing that kind of marketing around uh, radio, TV, and in-store this year in the Northwest around baseball and BSP. I love it. Yeah, I thought that one was pretty clever. <laughs> so as we were researching this, we decided to look around the league and found some other stadiums that have really interesting focus on cocktails locally. And so the first one we found was in New York for the Yankees. They have three Yankee-themed craft cocktails. One is called the Grand Slam, one is the Big Apple, and one is the Triple Play. Uh, And they use, uh, also, they have classics available like margaritas, mojitos, cosmos, and uh, Moscow mules, and that's available as a feature item if you go to a Yankee game in New York. I'm surprised they don't have any themed after players with how many legendary players they've got. Retired retired numbers. Lou Gehrig, Mickey Mantle, yeah, you, you... That surprises me as well. Maybe they'll expand well, one of these days. Yeah, there's a little group called BAM, and uh, they are that's the group that owns all the marketing rights for all the players and all of the media stuff around baseball. Just got bought by Disney. So to begin to market to a specific player, they'd have to go get license rights, which in and of itself costs a lot of money, both for the teams wow. and for the sponsors. So that's probably why you don't see it around a particular player. You couldn't even call it like the number three and try and get away with it? <laughs> oh, you probably could. Yeah. You probably could. Have to be a little uh, sneaky. Wouldn't have the same it. ring to yeah. it. No. <laughs> Would not have the same ring to it, right? You, you can't call it the Jeter. <laughs> <laughs> we have to figure out what we're going to call the A-Rod. Yeah. <laughs> that cocktail would have a different recipe here in Seattle than it would in New York, I guarantee it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it would be extra bitter. How's that? <laughs> For the fans here. Uh, we looked elsewhere around the league and we found the San Diego Padres. They have uh, Cutwater Spirits, they've got cocktails in Petco Park. Uh, they also have a thing out in center field they call the Still. Uh, Washington Nationals Park, they partner with a variety of distilleries from around Washington, D.C. And they have kegged drinks on draft on a rotating basis monthly using local craft spirits from the D.C. region. And uh, finally, we found at Dodger Stadium, they've got two themed cocktails that are served in the restaurants. One is the Blue Slugger, 
featuring vodka and blue curacao with pineapple juice and uh, lemon sour mix. And the other is a blue crush featuring uh, Ciroc vodka, curacao liquor, Sprite, lemonade, and sweet and sour. So cocktails are definitely emerging. Used to be people just assumed it was baseball at the ballpark, but now cocktails are driving uh, growth and uh, revenue and, of course, enhancing the customer fan experience. Yeah, I really like how a lot of a lot of these clubs are tailoring them to their squads and coming up with some creative options. Is there, in in the future, do you think Heritage will be offering any that are Mariners-themed? Well, again, uh, there are lots of trademark issues, right? Yeah. So you've got to work those through with the teams and with uh, Major League Baseball and with BAM. Um, so it's certainly inside the stadium, uh, the cocktails that they come up with will be driven by what the team and center plate decide to do. We mm-hmm. don't have a lot of say in that. Yeah. And uh, when we talk to Steve later on, we'll talk about some of the things that drive the decision-making and how they try to grab the attention of the fans to, uh, again, maximize the experience. Um, Steve was going to talk about this, but, you know, every game they essentially have to have on hand the ability to feed and drink anywhere from fifteen to twenty to 40,000 people within a – two and a half hour time span yeah. and it's just like cranking out a restaurant 40,000 meals at a time within two hours so they've got to they've got to make it easy on themselves too on the execution side and I have always been impressed I've been to a lot of ballparks at this at this point in my life because my family is so huge on baseball and that's even a part of our vacations has been going to see different ballparks but I think I can safely say that Safeco Field has some of the most delicious cuisine options and the most interesting unique options that really reflect the region and uh, you know what the pacific northwest is all about absolutely not only is it one of the prettiest parks in all of baseball true but they do strive to bring into the fold as many local things as possible they have one of the largest geographic areas they cover too so think about if you watch a game on root sports or listen to it on the radio you can listen to that in the network in alaska all over washington idaho oregon and montana plus in canada bc and alberta so they're covering a huge just physical footprint bigger than any other uh, in baseball in the U.S. And so they also have to appeal to try and get fans to come to Seattle to go to a game. And when they go to a game, again, they want to enhance that fan experience. What is one thing that you guys are looking forward to eating out at Safeco Field or drinking? I enjoy the uh, Chinese food options with the rice and the noodles. I like the the freshness of the vegetables and uh, the noodles and just kind of the flavor profile that comes from that. It's it's just kind of quintessential Northwest flair on uh, Asian food that I I very much enjoy. I can never get over the tacos at Edgar's Cantina. uh, They're just so delicious. And there's something, I mean, I guess I'm Mexican, so it's a little bit in my background, but there's something about just eating tacos in the sun watching the game. Absolutely. I am also excited for the Asian food. I know we'll be talking to Steve about it, but the fact that they're going to have Din Tai Fun there now, I'm very excited about. And I will definitely be looking for the BSB cart because that's awesome that you can now have cocktails in your seats. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be a few weeks from now, uh, but the BSB lounge will be open day one and and, uh, it is packed with people. The BSB lounge is packed with people every game. So cool. Well, the man behind a lot of these culinary efforts, we get to talk to him, Steve Dominguez, GM of Centerplate Concessions at Safeco Field. He speaks with us next on Castle Radio.
back to Cast Club Radio. Right now, we are joined by our good friend, Steve Dominguez, GM of Center Plate Operations out at Safeco Field. Let's talk about the 72 hours leading up to opening day. Sure. Well, it's like this. is all the stuff when we started planning for the 2018 back in July, you know, between the countless meetings and the offseason and everything else, seems like everything still kind of comes down to these last three days to the build-up. You know, you can, you plan, you plan, you plan, and now it's time to, to execute. You know, that's what we're, you know, and again, you know, uh, northeasterlies that are that are delaying equipment and everything else, no matter how much you plan, there's always something that kind of throws you for a curve. Yeah, Steve, you and I have talked in the past about just the sheer magnitude of prep you all have to have for 81 home games and the idea that on any one night you've got to basically run a restaurant that'll feed anywhere from 20,000 to 45,000 people within a two-hour time span. It's its a right. Herculean effort. Talk about what goes oh, into planning. I would say absolutely. You know, we, it's that roller coaster that's baseball, especially, you know, <laughs> I won't lie to you. This, and you wouldn't think it, but this whole uh, starting in March, <laughs> yeah, I think kind of threw everybody off their normal their normal rhythm, you know, it's like pitchers and catchers report, and then, oh, my gosh, you know, it's less than 45 days and we're there, you know. But, yeah, no, I mean, from the, from the menu planning that's, that begins in, 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 you know, in July to refining it down to, you know, then the, the constant, you know, tasting and redoing it before we even get it to the point of, you know, actually showing the Mariners, you know, uh, tons of go into it. And then, you know, then at that point, okay, well, we got the food programming down. We think we know we're get, what we got going on. And okay, now we got to hire people, and we got to hire them early enough to where they they want to stay. And then you know mm-hmm. we can't we can't do it too you know. Then if you do it too early, then they're not around. So it's a it's a huge effort just to get the people and the amount of moving parts that goes into you know getting a successful opening day and a successful season. Steve, this isn't your your first rodeo though. You've done this in the past. What is one of the lessons that you've learned over the years about about this whole process? <laughs> one uh, okay, so this uh, this opening day would be my is going to be my twenty fifth opening day. Wow! You know, so as as for everything going, and mind you, too, my my wealth of experience comes from uh, I shouldn't have done it like that. So, uh, you know, you know what? There's, there's you never you never too early to start uh, planning. Um, it you know, and if you if you take too deep a breath during the off season, you know, you you come into the season ill prepared. So, yeah. you know, unfortunately, that's the question I always ask of like, you know, what are you going to do now that the season's over? I'm like, uh, you know, <laughs> get ready for the next one. It's already started. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's already started, well, and you know, that's it. I'm interested in in numbers. So, on a typical week. You've got six games on a home stretch. How many yeah. hot dogs and buns and kegs of beer? And- I forget. I, I did this for uh, I did this uh, last opening day here, but I think we do enough beer over that weekend and over this weekend to I think fill like an Olympic sized pool. You know, wow. it takes us about fifteen hundred barrels of beer just to get loaded, just to get lines poured, and have backup for the three days. You know, uh, the amount of hot dogs we go through. I mean, we'll go through three hundred thousand in a year and. I want to say on opening day, you probably get about 10,000 hot dogs and a corresponding buns. You know, we have 700 staff members that come in, um, you know, and just the, the sheer stuff. I I, I, I should I should shoot you over that, too. But, like, I think I had everything down to, like, the number of, you know, yards of, of red ropes as well as, you know, number, you know, and, of course, this year we have uh, – we're roasting grasshoppers right now. I got my shipment in from Oaxaca. That's our next two days. In addition to popping yellow corn and bagging kettle corn, we're – Wow. Or roasting grasshoppers, so just a ton of stuff. That's a pretty that's a pretty unique opening day experience, though. Probably no other ballpark going through roasting grasshoppers. <laughs> yeah, least. you know. Hey, sometimes you want to be you know world renowned for for this food item or that food item, but you know, hey, I'll write it. You know, if it's uh, if it you know 
now and again you get those special items that, that kind of you know blow you away and that was what we had last year with those grasshoppers never ever would have thought we would be at that point with the amount that we sold as well as you know uh, just the, the sheer uh, publicity that I got, you know, especially when we were, again, we were just trying to bring that, that, that genuine, you know, Mexican uh, Oaxacan experience that you would get if you were to have a, a taco in, in Mexico, but, you know, it became a novelty item and, you know, hey, yeah. back and they're roasting and, you know, we'll, we'll have plenty to go. You've got plenty of exciting new additions this season. Is there something that you see being as big a thing as the grasshoppers were to 2017 or at least something uh, you're as excited well, you know about? I was going to say, I hope everything we do is as uh, yeah. exciting as those grasshoppers, <laughs> you know, but, you know, there's a, there's a few items that we put out there, too. You know, we've uh, we developed some few things. Well, the one thing that I think is going to do well, and, you know, I'm trying to keep it more as a, hey, this is just a, a good quality meal, is our uh, is our long bone short rib. Ooh, you know, yeah. chef smokes those for 16 hours. They're impressive to see. You know, I still feel at $20, it's a heck of a value because it's like two pounds of meat, you know. Uh, so there's plenty to go around there. Also excited too, you know, we've had some, you know, we, we have a lot of our, of our partners coming back, you know, with great state taquitos, you know, Ethan Stoll. Uh, but we also had an additional, uh, partner that joined us that we're really excited about is, uh, Ding Taifung. I think that, uh, just the amount of excitement of all the stuff that I've mentioned when, when I get asked that question, what's new, <laughs> as soon as I mention, you know, uh, Ding Tai and the dumplings, I think everybody gets more excited than, you know, than you can imagine. I'm like, okay. And we had a, we had a little tasting. <laughs> Uh, last week, and you know, just and we what we try to do is get the staff to come in so we can kind of vet out some of our our equipment or whatever else. The, the, they have such a strong showing. I just think that it's going to be lined up out the door for that one. Yeah, there's definitely some excitement over here in the studio about that one. We've been uh, we've been <laughs> yes. talking about it, wondering how long the line is going to be because we want to get our share. Well, you know what, and that's one of those cool things too because they're known for that. You know, hey, there's just always a line out the door waiting yeah. in the restaurant. You know, and you know, seeing the people people make the dumplings. You know, unfortunately, we don't have the action of them making the dumplings, but we will have that line, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Another one, my coworker, I work, we work over on the sports side, and uh, Mike Salk, who I work with in the mornings, he would not stop raving about the on-deck donuts that you guys have. Uh, yeah. he, he would just, I mean, I think we did like a whole segment in the morning show about it because he said that these things are to die for. You know, it is. You know, that's uh, you know that's another good example of like you know I have the I, I, every time I complain my, about my job I got to take a step back. I'm like, wait a minute, you get to work at a baseball stadium and you get to eat food. <laughs> you know, and part of what I do is you know in that off season now as much as I could complain about our, our busy off season, you know we go out and we check out. Hey, what are people buying? You know what? Uh, you know if we go to some of these popular areas, what's catching our our eye? What's catching our nostrils? And uh, we had to gone to lunch. To go check out uh, the Pikes Market, there's a. There, I wanted to show the guys a sandwich I saw at one of the one of the delis there. But then you know you would kind of turn left and we we could smell those that donut coming out and we looked at him oh. like hey, you know what we could totally do this. Yeah. You know we could, you know, it's not something that I think is terribly difficult. But gosh, it's going to pay off. And you know when you could when you could if you if you could create more opportunities to put bacon on something, you know it's always a good thing. Amen. Yes. How often do you get inspired by your environment or things that you're around? Well, you know, I would say all the time. You know, that I think, uh, you know, living in living in Seattle and being able to walk around and get in the sights and the sounds, um, you know, we, we definitely take that in and, you know, sometimes we figure, hey, if they could do it here and do it this well, why can't we? 
you know, and, and again, I think one of, one of our other things with that too was, you know, we added the meatball sandwich to our salt and sandwich. And uh, I won't lie to you, that was 100% inspired by our, our trips to Salumi Deli, <laughs> yeah. you know, and a lot of that time too. Like whenever, if you've ever been there and you see the last three meatballs go before you order them, it's always the worst thing ever. But, you know, that was our, that was what we were trying to do, you know, and I think was a flattery or uh, imitation is uh, the, the highest form of flattery. Exactly. And we're definitely trying to do, do justice to Salumi. Perfect. So fans going to opening weekend this, what are the must-haves, the must-checkouts for the first weekend of baseball? Got to have a hot dog. I think that's got to be just a given. Mm-hmm. But sometimes Classic. the givens, you know, are understated and you don't realize that. But if you, if you walk out of there without having a dog, you know, you got to come back to do it again. Yeah. Definitely, I would say is, you know, we covered the uh, Ding Tong Fly. We've, we've we, you know, the the long, the, 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 the beef bone. I say the other thing, too, I think Chef did a great job with his Cuban sandwich. Ooh, you know, out of yeah. the and then we added uh, a new pokeball and one of our, our providers, Hiroshi, who was right across from um, Ding Taifung. And, uh, you know, that's another one of the things where we, we kind of see everybody out there with these pokeballs. Yeah. You know, it's kind of the, and I hate to say the fat for 2018, but you know, definitely it's a must have, especially if you're, you know, if you're in your, your, your 10th or 11th game in, you know, and you can only eat so many great state burgers. You only have so many tacos for taquitos. And, and I would say this too, and let me kind of back up one, is you got to have the the hush dog from Jack's. Okay. You know, he does a, a custom uh, that he, you know, his own proprietary recipe of a jal- of a jalapeno cheddar sausage, and he dips it in his hush puppy batter. Oh and it's kind of like a, and he calls it the hush dog. And it's on a stick, and it's almost like a corn dog, but it's with that fritter batter and that custom sausage. You know, I think as far as waistline goes, that's, that's one that's really going to expand it. So. <laughs> It sounds pretty incredible. Yeah, my mouth is watering already. Steve, we usually ask everybody who comes on here, if we were throwing a cocktail party, what would we be drinking? What is your drink of choice? And and we can theme it after baseball if you want. It can be of the offerings out there at Safeco Field. But what are you drinking maybe on opening weekend? <laughs> opening weekend? I'm a big fan of bourbon and old-fashioned. You know, you know between, for me, I think... You know, I tend to stay away from the clear spirits. Uh, I've always been about, you know, I always thought there was a, there's something special about, you know, some of these these fine whiskeys that come out, you know, and, and my cocktail choice has been bourbon since I was legal. So Well, yeah, you can stick with and a good thing. The thing is, the beautiful, the beautiful thing about it is, you know, they're great in spring, they're great in summer, they're great in winter, you know, great in October. I think there's there's always been some form of it that I could drink throughout the year. All the way through baseball season. Yeah. All the way. Steve, uh, I, I ask people this question all the time to finish this sentence. You can't spell baseball without. Exactly. Without BSB. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Steve, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to chat with us and tell us about all the great stuff that they've got going on at Safeco Fields. We'll definitely be sure. sampling more than our fair share. Absolutely. Thank you so much to Steve Dominguez for taking time out of his very busy schedule. It is opening weekend, after all, to chat with us. He being GM of Center Plate Concessions at Safeco Field. Get out to Safeco. Try all of those delicious food and drink options. Up next on Cast Club Radio, have you ever heard of the bartender commandments? Well, there's 10 of them. They should be respected. Also, have you ever made a cocktail using peeps? It is Easter, after all. We'll tell you how. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks for hanging with us on this fine Saturday. Coming up in a few minutes, we've got some Easter cocktails for you. But first, there's such a thing as bartender commandments. 
This list comes from the Matador Network. And of course, like everything, uh, we'll post it online, heritagedistilling.com, so that you can make sure to check this out. But this is the commandments of being a bartender. And we have a bartender here in attendance, Maura. You were a bartender for several years. So you can tell us if you followed these and how true they are. Yeah. The first one struck a chord with me. Thou shalt never get so drunk that you can't count the money. Mm. Because... I was in a situation where there was a few of us bartenders that were managers as well. And usually the floor manager would leave at some point and the closing bartender slash manager would count the money, close out the drawers, shut everything off. And I, I had one coworker who was who was a great coworker, other than the fact that he would do some shots at the end of the night. And sometimes he wasn't so good with counting the money. And unfortunately, our owner thought it was cool to have these old school cash registers where you, you actually have to, you know, punch in like yeah. little buttons and it, it looks cool and it... it does this crazy ringing sound and half the time we couldn't even find anyone that knew how to fix them so when there was something wrong it was really hard to figure out because it was just a a strip of numbers there was no you couldn't figure out if someone double rang something or forgot to ring something in and then I've got you know my bartender slash manager there swaying as he's trying to figure out the mistakes (laughs) and it was it was kind of a nightmare so I, I would definitely say that's one you need to stick to and it's number one on this list so that rings true thou shalt never get so drunk that you can't count the money just in the second one on this list i was interested to see if you've heard of before because i actually didn't follow this when i was bartending it says thou shalt never build a cocktail with liquor first uh, i don't follow that rule we usually start with the liquor because you're pouring everything in uh, in terms of the the measurements no Having said that, you sometimes start with all the stuff you're going to muddle um, and the bitters, like if you're making an old-fashioned or you're making a mojito, you're going to muddle a mint. Yes. Uh, but you end up adding the liquor to it next because it all goes in the shaker eventually. And then, of course, at the end, uh, it all gets topped off with the soda or some kind of juice or something like that. So this one I thought was a little backwards than what we normally would do. The reasoning makes sense to me where they say that if you make a mistake, it's easier to dump out the mixer as opposed to the liquor plus the mixer but yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with you I've 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 never obeyed that rule quite well so many of the drinks well. that I made if I was making you know say a lemon drop martini or a peach martini or something like that you're just you once you do the base you're just topping it off with a little bit of juice so it would be harder to tell how much to use if you started with it but That's right. for the cocktails you were talking about like an old-fashioned or something yeah something you're gonna muddle it makes sense to add the alcohol last but if you have a bar with a bartender that you think is violating rule number one, don't get so drunk you can't count the money, you're probably not <laughs> likely to have wasted liquor from number two. Very true, very <laughs> true. Yeah, it's all going to go to use somewhere. <laughs> I also thought that number three, thou shalt not forget to upsell on liquor, was was a good one. It's definitely something where when someone just asked for a vodka martini or a vodka tonic, I would always ask, well, do you want a specific kind and name off? You can almost always get someone to upgrade if you just ask. Well, and this has an important reason in, in the list here in the article. If you suggest the upsell and you can charge an extra dollar a drink or more premium, you're going to bring up your check average. And with the higher check average, you're hoping to get more tips. Exactly. Uh, in addition to selling, you know, making more revenue for the, for the bar owner. So that makes sense. These next three, I think we can kind of lump together, four, five, and six, because they're all kind of just basic standards that you should adhere to in your bar, I think, for cleanliness purposes. Four, thou shalt always hold a wine glass by the stem. Come on. Thou, number five, thou shalt never forget to burn the ice. We'll explain that here in a second. Number six, thou shalt never forget to check expiration dates. 
The one in the middle is maybe the one that's a little less explanatory. So burn the ice for people who don't understand what burn the ice means. That simply means that you should make sure all your ice bins are empty at the end of the night. Restock the next day when you're when you're opening up for sanitation reasons because you can also deter the fruit fly from ever showing up. <laughs> Something nobody wants. Number four, you can't hold the wine stem by the glass. It doesn't work from Pinot Noir because, of course, those glasses don't have stems. And uh, that is designed to kind of have your temperature from your hand help to heat up the, the wine a little bit and bring out some of the aromatics. But in general, I'm a stickler for clean glassware. I send lots of glassware and drinks back because there's lipstick residue left on there or other uh, markings from the previous customer. And I think if you've got a commercial kitchen and a commercial dishwasher, you should be able to generate clean glassware. Yeah, you could actually add that commandment. Wine glasses should definitely be polished. Yes. <laughs> That's something that I always had to do. As far as the ice, we we noticed that that was another commandment. Thou shalt never hold a glass anywhere near the ice bin. Unfortunately, where I was bartending, the ledge where you made your drinks, that the ice bin was right below, so that you could you couldn't really avoid it. And I've definitely been the person that's broken a glass in the ice, and then that's when you have to burn the ice again too. You have to start dumping hot water on it, and it's horrible when it's in the middle of a busy service and everyone's trying to get drinks. You're sitting there trying to melt ice so that you can add new ice. It's uh, not something you want to do. Mm-mm. Well, in a lot of these ice bins, they run the uh, Coke gun, the, the soda gun, through the cold plate that is yeah. sitting in the ice, and that is used as the chilling source to get the, the soda cold before it hits the glass. So if you burn the ice, you're also, you know, you're, you can't be using that Coke gun anytime soon. Warming up the soda. <laughs> That's right. Well, this is a pretty good list of commandments, which, again, you can check out. We'll put the link up to the article from Matador Network up on heritagedistilling.com so you can follow along. In the meantime, tomorrow is Easter, and we've got some pretty beautiful cocktails, I think. They're brightly colored, creative cocktails for you to try, whether you're hosting people at your house or whatever you're doing to celebrate the holiday. Yeah, we do. So uh, the idea behind this is to take advantage of spring being around the corner, have some lighter, sweeter, uh, more vibrant colored uh, cocktail offerings for brunch or whatever you and family do when you get together. First one is a pink jelly bean. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what we call it, the pink jelly bean. Two ounces of our heritage distilling vanilla vodka. A half ounce of maraschino cherry juice or grenadine. I prefer the Luxardo maraschino cherries, the authentic ones out of Italy. They're quite good. They're dark, dark purple. Two ounces of ginger ale. And we're gonna make this all over ice in a glass. Pour the two ounces of vodka, the half ounce of maraschino cherry juice or the grenadine and then top it with two ounces of ginger ale and garnish it with three pink jelly beans. This is probably going to be served best in a martini glass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Next up on our list, we call this the Nutella martini. And yes, I did say (laughs) Nutella, the the nut spread, uh, chocolate nut spread out of Europe. So this requires one tablespoon of Nutella, two teaspoons of cocoa powder, four ounces of milk and two ounces of our vodka. It starts off by heating the milk in a, in a pot on the stove. Melt the one tablespoon of Nutella and the two teaspoons of cocoa powder in the milk. Set it aside, let it cool in the fridge. And then uh, when it's cool, pour that over ice in a shaker. Add your two ounces of vodka and uh, shake and pour into a martini glass. You can rim it with chocolate syrup and crushed hazelnuts. And we call that the Nutella martini. Mm. I'm down to try anything with Nutella in it. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) And this next one, uh, we thought we'd have a little fun. Uh, We call this the Peeps 
martini. You're probably going to see quite a few of these variations on all over social media, lots of different places using them. But this requires uh, two ounces of vodka, two ounces of pink lemonade, and then 10 to 12 pink peeps candies. Wow. Yes, I did say the pink peeps. <laughs> Place the peeps in a jar and fill it with vodka. Again, 10 to 12 of these. Let it sit overnight in the fridge. Uh, it's basically going to dissolve that, uh, the, the mushroom, the sugar, the colorings. You're going to then the next day pour that vodka into a shaker over ice. Add your two ounces of lemonade and uh, shake and pour into a martini glass rimmed with colored sugar. And you can garnish it with a fresh peep. Wow. That is going to, A, give you your sugar fix for the day, but also just be beautiful, I would think. Yeah, we call that a fat kid drink. Uh, <laughs> lots, of, lots of sugar, lots of vodka. So uh, be sure to post pictures of that. And uh, we do have another one that we posted on our social media this last week that uses vodka with Cadbury eggs, uh, where the Cadbury eggs themselves are the shot glass with the, the creamy vodka mixture on the oh, inside. Nice. So uh, we will also repost that for all the parents to enjoy when they steal <laughs> kids' candy, which we do in our household. It's only right. It's Yeah, it's only fair. We call it the parent tax. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, you can check out episodes of Cast Club Radio if you've missed any online at heritagedistilling.com. Also at CairoRadio.com under the podcast tab. And uh, for social media, Justin, where should people check out? Well, on Facebook, you can find us at Cast Club Radio. And we ask you to also rate us on iTunes. Perfect. Please, if you are making any Peeps cocktails this weekend, post pictures. Let us know how they're going. In the meantime, everybody, have an amazing Easter and an amazing opening day weekend. Be safe and uh, enjoy the games. And we'll see you next week on Cast Club Radio. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling, part of Cairo Weekends on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM.